Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com What's up, guys? This is episode 125 of the DC Comics News Podcast, and I am Kelly Gaines, and I am here with two of my fabulous co-hosts, Brad Filicky. Brad, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Everyone else good. is, too. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, surviving, hanging in there. And Seth, how about you? Doing good. Surviving as well, hanging in, holding on, just like the rest of us. Uh, some of the news is earth shaking, but we'll we'll get to that, right? How you doing today, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, I'm I'm excited to be here with you guys. Excited for some of the announcements we have coming up. Um, so yeah, let's jump right in. The first section we're going to cover is movie news, and we're starting off with something actually not exciting and pretty sad. Um, Richard Donner, who is the director of Superman, Lethal Weapon, and The Goonies, has passed away at 91 um, this past week. Brad, what did you think? Oh, man, it's it is quite a loss. Uh, Superhero movies as we know them would not exist without his take on Superman. So we all owe him an incredible debt. Uh, He had an amazing career. So many classic movies, like you were saying, Lethal Weapon and Goonies, uh, he did have a full life. 91 is a long life, and we were so lucky that we were able to, you know, experience and, and gain from his talent that he shared with the world. So, uh, you know, it, it is a loss, and he has left quite, quite a career behind him that we can all enjoy and remembering, you know, and remember him, you know, going forward. But, uh, yeah, he, he will definitely be missed. What about you, Seth? Yeah, you know, this this is one of those ones where I'm always like the guy who, who doesn't remember to say my, my thoughts and prayers go out to the family. But this one, that was the first thing I thought of was like, wow, if this guy made amazing movies, there's a strong chance he was just as an amazing of a person. And that, that's got to be a tough one. So just because that's the first thing that came to mind uh, to those who were part of his immediate family, those he touched, those he was close to. And for all of us, I mean, that's probably the hardest thing is just the idea of like, man, when I saw Superman, it, it, it man, it changed everything. It just, I'll never forget. Like, I mean, I could quote the line with my mom. Don't worry. I've got you. You got me. Who's got you? Like, 
I used that as a reference a while back when we were talking about the Lois and Superman uh, show and how if they were going to do a Lois, I wanted that Margot Kidder because that had so defined it. How, you know, uh, reading that story about how the head of uh, Marvel films, how anytime there's going to be a new production, they sit down and they watch that movie first before they get started on anything about it because it's such uh, a seminal work. One of those things that defines the genre without it, Brad, like you said, we wouldn't have superhero movies like we do today. And, and then on top of it, like, this is the guy who did Goonies. This is the guy who did Lady Hawk. This is the guy who, for me, like, that was one of those, I mean, aside from the soundtrack, which, just come on, it was the 80s. But otherwise, uh, you know, this was a guy who did Omen two years before he did Superman. He He made these works that, for me, it's like, once you saw parts of those movies, you never forgot them. They just... They stayed with you. And uh, Brad, as you said, he lived to 91. He lived a full life. And sure, there's some people in this world where I'm like, can't we just take them to Never Never Land and revert them back to so many years and just let them live forever and maybe throw us some great gems along the way? I'd, I'd, I'd bargain for that. But I also look at what he left. And I tell you what, if I'm at 91 and I can leave behind something of quality of my life, in some small measure of equal to that, I would consider myself uh, a wealthy man and, and someone who lived well. And uh, that's a horizon I'm willing to reach for. Yeah, optimist guy, what are you going to do? Kelly, what was your thoughts? Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I just have to echo what you guys said for the most part, because it's I, I honestly didn't know that he had directed all three until I was reading this article. And it's I, I've not only seen a majority of the movies that he's directed, but I've enjoyed them immensely. And I mean, especially Superman as as a superhero fan, as a DC fan, is the must-see movie. I, I mean, like you were saying, it is one of those movies that you just need to to watch and be aware of to properly do superhero films. Um, and, and of course, The Goonies. I, I can't think of a single person that I know that doesn't know the Goonies that doesn't occasionally quote the Goonies like it's just it's still that iconic um so it's it's so sad to see him go at but at the same time I mean 91 is a fantastically full life and it's it's you know a blessing that we were able to have him around as long as we did um but it's still always sad to see someone especially someone with such a, a you know obvious and and all-encompassing talent pass away. Um, but yeah, I, I just what a what a fantastic filmmaker. I mean, what like that is that is the filmmaker resume from from heaven because I mean, just just absolutely fantastic films. So our next piece of news is a little bit happier. Um, that we're getting some details about characters that may be appearing in the upcoming Batgirl project that's in the work on HBO Max. Um, Brad, what did you think of this? I love, A, that the production is moving forward and we're getting a little more information. Uh, It's still in the uh, I'll believe it when I see it phase, but we're getting a little closer to reality, which I love to see. And I'm intrigued by the idea of Firefly being the villain. Uh, you know, Firefly and Killer Moth were the villains in Batgirl Year One, so it could be that we're seeing kind of a Year One story. 
And instead of a pyrotechnics expert, he's going to be a disgruntled fireman. So I'm kind of intrigued uh, where they're going to go with this character. If they're going to um, do things like similar like they did on Arrow. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, I love that we're getting more information about this. What about you, Seth? Yeah, always exciting details. I, I feel this is kind of fun because it's like chum in the water. You know what I mean? Like, here, we're going to give you this description of our casting and have at thee and just like sort of watch everybody. Like, what about how about do you think maybe? And I'm curious to hear what some of those discussions are going to look like and sound like more often because we read them in like text chats or stories or wherever you end up picking them from. But I also do love, Brad, what you pointed out, you know, some of those great elements that can be drawn from um, source material. You've got comic stories that have featured Firefly. I, I like the idea of, you know, playing off of what audiences might already know who are fans of seeing Firefly on Arrow and, and that version instead of the pyrotechnics. I also feel like with the firefighter one, you can really work some great angles because one of the things that I've loved uh, about recent Batgirl stories, but but those that preceded is her connection to uh, the communities where she resides in Gotham. For her, it's about that neighborhood. And I, I think the contrast of a neighborhood hero versus someone who fought for those neighborhoods and for whatever reason uh, is now uh, a disgruntled firefighter looking for some sort of answers, whatever they might be. I think that's a really great way to, you know, if you're going to look for an opposite to a hero, that sounds like a great casting, but now, now it's fun. Like, did anybody have anybody come to mind with any of these roles? Cause I'm just curious, you know, it's not like that's the only one. We also know that they're casting for an actor in his fifties to play uh, commissioner Gordon. Um, and, and then Brad, as you said, it's, it's, you know, it's movement. Like we're still casting. There, there's still a lot of stuff to happen before this actually is like, in the process of filming. But I, I was just sort of curious. Kelly, what were your thoughts? And did you have any faces, names spring to mind while you were reading this? I didn't have anyone spring to mind yet. But oddly enough, because you, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of, you know, non-news when it comes to movies. But to me, this is in a way news. And I, it may be that I'm still like, uh, you know, sad and, and traumatized by the fact that... um. You know, we're not getting the new Gods movie, which I was so looking forward to. So to see movement on this project, I mean, Brad, like you said, is just that in and of itself is good news. And I really like the um, just just reading what they're saying about the script so far, or the concept for it, um, that it's this kind of excited, joyous telling of Gotham, which is something we do not see. I mean, it's. Gotham, I think, is is many, many things, but joyous would not be the word I would use to describe it. So I'm I'm really interested to see if if this project, you know, comes to fruition, um, what this Gotham will look like and and what how we'll see it through Batgirl's eyes as opposed to the heroes we've seen it from before. Um, I think Firefly makes sense as a villain. That'd be really interesting to see. Um, and yeah, Seth, like you said, that that kind of neighborhood hero versus the the real life neighborhood hero would be a really interesting dynamic. So I'm excited about this. I'm not I I I, you, I mean Brad, you said it, you'll, you know, believe it when you see it. And I'm kind of in the same boat. But 
I'm I'm hopeful because you know they they took new gods. You can't take that girl too. That's just that's too much. That's too far. So we'll see. But I I like this news as as of now. I I do really like where this is going. Um. Oh, and other some very exciting news. I think we have some updates on James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Um. So. August 5th is going to be the release date in the United States. I think we're getting it er- a little bit earlier here than they are in some other countries. Um, but are you guys excited? Will you be going out to see it, Brad? You, you know, they've they've been in a habit of re- of releasing movies like on Thursday, like evening shows, like starting at seven o'clock. And generally my work schedule doesn't allow it. But if somehow I'm not working on that Thursday... I would definitely go and see this in the theaters. Uh, although I had it planned out to watch on HBO Max, but if I could see it on Thursday, I, I definitely would. That's how excited I, I am for it. So, you know, fingers crossed that I might get lucky and be able to go and see it on Thursday. What about you, Seth? Rad, I'm going to find you a shamrock. Because <laughs> I, I have issues with rabbit's feet. <laughs> It just feels like inhumane. So Shamrock it is. Um, don't wait on me and the Shamrock to go see the movie. They're not easy to find. It could take a while. It's not like I got a stash. Um, but I want <laughs> you to have that luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, I appreciate the laughter of support. Like the great Robin William once said, you're not laughing at me. You're laughing near me. You're maybe I adjacent. Am. Well, <laughs> right. Like, near you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm off to the side, man. I'm just over here. I got you. I got you. What? No, I don't know that guy. Who? What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I won't go. I theaters, theaters for me. Um, that's still kind of a bridge too far right now. Like, yeah, uh, I'll get there. I'll get there. But I'm gonna be honest. I, I think that they offer it to both is really huge. Now, as the article points out, we, we don't know for sure if the August 5th is going to be for HBO Max, but I mean, come on, like I'm really going to risk like seeing it without my wife and really getting in trouble. So we'll probably catch it like Friday or Saturday, or, you know, whenever I can be like, this movie's on, I'm going to watch it. You can't complain that I didn't want to watch it with you if you don't. All right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like, so that's the only thing it might change for me is whether or not I actually... Because if it's on Thursday night, maybe it's something I can get around, you know, hey, you want to check this out? But also it's all about like, uh, as the word so often is, it's compromise. It might be like, hey, if she had a crazy day at work or I had a crazy day and I'm like, you know what? Nothing new tonight. No, 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 no. Nothing new. So I love the fact that we can watch it at home. It gives me that freedom uh, just to tailor it to my own schedule. And uh, I think for everybody who's going, though, man. The movie theater's open, and that's the thing you've been looking forward to. Like, go. Tell me all about it. Make me all jealous and nostalgic. And who knows? Maybe I and others like myself will find ourselves wandering back in just to remember what that smell of popcorn and slightly overpriced concessions might be like. Kelly, how about you? I see. I'm really excited for this movie, so I might end up watching it depending on what if it comes out on HBO Max at the same time. I might watch it on HBO Max first. Um, but yeah, I recently like went to go see A Quiet Place Part Two in theaters, and it was it was definitely weird seeing other human beings in the same vicinity. But you know, it was it was okay. It wasn't too terrible. So I think 
I, I don't know. I'm going to have to play it by year how I'm going to see this one. But honestly, if it's not available on HBO Max on August 5th, then I probably will just go end up going to see it in theaters. Because um, I, I am so excited for this movie. And I was so excited for the last Suicide Squad movie, too. But I'm, like, double excited for this one. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I really wish that... Um, yeah, I wish we had an HBO Max release date because I could kind of plan something around that. But as far as theaters, it just comes down to if on the night it comes out, I don't see it on my TV. I'll be like, hey, let's go to the movies. Why not? But um, yeah, I, I am so excited for this movie. And actually, our next couple of stories um, branch right off of this. So we have some new photos from well. Let me let me backtrack a little. So the Peacemaker is obviously one of the standout characters of this movie, not just because John Cena is the world's most enthusiastic actor, um, but because he's getting his own spinoff show. So we've seen some photos for this this new Suicide Squad Peacemaker. Um, Brad, what did you think? Uh, you know, I I dug it, uh, but it doesn't really show us any thing that we didn't kind of already know unless I'm missing something that I didn't see that you guys did but it, it is uh, it is a cool photo and I am like you Kelly getting more and more excited for the Suicide Squad the closer we get and, I, and uh, I have to repeat myself when I say that this is probably the movie I'm looking forward to most all year so I can't believe that we're just uh, a few weeks away at this point because I remember when we saw the little roll call trailer at Fandom, thinking, oh, we have so long to wait, and here we are. So, yeah, just, uh, and I, I just have a feeling that uh, the movie is going to get me more excited for the Peacemaker TV show. And, you know, you said it, you hit the nail on the head, the most, the world's most enthusiastic actor. And I think that that enthusiasm can definitely, uh, transfer over to when he's playing Peacemaker. So, yeah, I, I am uh, totally excited. What about you, Seth? Yeah, uh, just like I'd say, uh, you know, Giovanni Ribisi, like who is more excited than John Cena? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that guy go, but but man, he, he can... <laughs> with John Cena, I love the fact that, yeah, he's just so excited. And with these pictures, Brad, I, I, I'm with you. Like, Sure, not a lot new developed, but clearly it's an awareness of the fact that we are all so ridiculously excited about it that there's this feeling of like, okay, I get it. I get it. There's not much to a story here. Give me the pretty pictures anyway. Just just give me the pretty pictures. And then we look and we gloss. And I mean, the Peacemaker one where he's firing the gun right near Bloodsport, it's like, I don't even know what he could be shooting at in this moment. It could be literally anyone. <laughs> but, you know, there's still the excitement that comes with it. There's still that feeling of like, okay, you know, we're, we're juiced for it. And because of how I've seen recently, like a fun twist, which was the Jeff Lemire version or Lemire version of, uh, of Peacemaker, it, and just a little bit of like crazy that could really make it fun with that kind of enthusiasm, especially if some of the elements like a voice in the head where you've got like him being like, I'm hearing voices. What's that? No, I'm great to go. I'm the peace. You know what I mean? Peace at any cost. I'll kill everybody for peace. That's the kind of 
like I feel like that's just going to be you know such a great element to enjoying the movie and then consider for the uh, the spinoff and Kelly. Yeah, I think we're all pretty pretty excited about this movie coming out. What what if anything did you draw from uh, the pictures or and or you know just more to sort of like ooh it's closer it's closer it's closer. <laughs> I well you know what oddly enough I think no one is more excited for this movie than John Cena though. I mean, he's been wearing the costume for months now, so, you know, that's good. I mean, this, this is a big moment for him. But, I, yeah, I see, these pictures didn't give us a lot, but it's still, you know, like you said, Seth, just great to see. And I, I just really like reading about some of the thought process behind these characters and that, you know, the, the development for them giving him his own spit-off show is the fact that he's conflicted about this personality that he's developed and about the things that he does but he's still developed into this, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word that they use on this show, but, you know, he's developed into a, a special kind of guy and has has his own challenges coming to terms with that. So I, I think the show is probably going to be fantastic. I assume the movie is going to be fantastic. I mean, I have I, I have nothing but excitement for this. I'm so convinced that it's going to be great. And I refuse to be told otherwise. Um <laughs> And actually, so our next story is, I, I thought it was a lot of fun, but James Gunn has given us a list of some of the characters that almost made it into the film um, and were taken out because they didn't serve the story as well or just didn't work as well with the other characters. But we have, um, I believe, Man Bat, Chemo, Plastique, KG Beast, um, Deaths, uh, and uh, Punch and Judy, or Julie? Yes, Punch and Julie. There we go. Um well, guys, what did you think? Which of these characters would you have liked to see, maybe? You know, in James Gunn's hand, I would any and all of them. Um, and some of these, uh, I'll, uh, I'll admit, I had never heard of. I had never heard of Black Spider. Um, and I think there were a few few others, like uh, Gutterhawk and Gun Bunny. Uh, rain, uh, you know, I uh, the rainbow creature. Those I had not heard of, but uh, I I do. I, I almost wish he could have brought in Kemo, uh, though. That would have been fun. Um, but I, you know, I I have so much faith in his ability and the way he uses characters that any one of these characters he could have used, uh, and I would have loved it. He would have found a creative, fun way to use them. And uh, I have a feeling, though, they wouldn't let him use Man Bat or uh, Solomon Grundy or some of these other Batman villains because we might see those in upcoming Batman movies, maybe. But um, but he said, I guess, that you know he just couldn't find a way to use some of these characters. But uh, had he been able to find a way, I would have been there. Uh, what about you, Seth? There are so many good ones, right? Rick, really, yeah. And I'm trying to remember with Black Spider. Like, I feel like I saw that. In like one of the animated ones, actually, I can't remember if it was Assault on Arkham or another storyline where I was like, who's Black Spider? Catch me up here. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think I do think Deathstroke would have been interesting. I'm not sure if it, you know, it would have been a challenge, I think, to, to fit such a extremely violent man <laughs> in with a cast that's mostly like, let's just call it screw ups. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of. But there's a you know uh, comedic side to to those who are still serious in this version, um, and then a few others. Yeah, Brad, I got you. 
I mean, I feel like when it comes down to either, you know, budget or other things, like there, there's a limit because then maybe we'd lose King Shark uh, if we ended up going, you know, with Grundy and or um, Man Bat. Um, and then there were a couple, yeah, I wasn't as familiar with. And um, so I would have been almost curious to see them show up and go, okay, teach me something new. Who's this character? And why do I want to go find them in comics and compare the difference and have some fun with that? But I always love that idea of the, the road less traveled. I, I love that, you know, through the decision process, Bronze Tiger didn't make it because he wasn't pure enough evil. Um, but that it all starts out with this idea of gun going like, yeah, so once I found out I, I got the gig, I just kept the file. And, you know, process of elimination. But it sounds like he had such a great pool to choose from that I'm also even that much more encouraged by the fact that, well, if this is what he had to go from and this is what he ended up choosing, the version we're going to see in the movie, man, like that's a pretty good process to go through. I, I think there's a reason why he chose the, the, or made the choices he made, chose the characters he chose. And I think considering how much fun he could have had with these others, well, clearly, he chose the best, and we're going to get to see it when the movie comes our way. What were your thoughts, Kel? I really would have liked to see Man Bat, and it, I mean, mostly because of um, Harley Quinn, but <laughs> I that, I feel like that would have been so fun, but I, I do love seeing it. Look, that scene is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I can just tell want you there. Be like, I can't understand what he's saying. I can't understand what he's saying. Bat. <laughs> and he's squawking with such conviction. Oh my god, I love that scene. I love that character. Um, and and but any of these characters would have been fun to see. I'll admit there's a handful that I'm not familiar with myself. Um, but but characters like Livewire and KG Beast and of course Manbat. I I would have liked to see any of them. But part of why I'm so confident in in this version of, of Suicide Squad is that James Gunn clearly has a talent for figuring out what works in his films. And not only that, but that he, you know, goes through this process of elimination and kind of thinks, OK, well, even if this character would look cool or would, you know, get a lot of fan attention or something like that, if they don't work for the story, they just don't work, which I, I have to respect. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can let go of the fact that I won't get to see Man Bat live action right now, but you know, I'd never say never. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, it, it's just, it's been a fun process watching this entire movie come together. Um, and I, August 5th really can't come soon enough. So yeah, this, this just makes me even more excited. So our next story, we're, we're stepping away from the Suicide Squad for a bit um, to talk about Wonder Woman 3, which we don't have a ton of details on except that it's happening. But Brad, what did you think? Uh, it's a bit of a start. They said that they have a story that they really want to see realized. So that is something. And th this one is obviously more in the definite going to happen category. So uh, this will be the first of many stories that we'll be talking about over the next you know, months. Um, and I'm just wondering exactly how soon things will get underway if Patty Jenkins is busy with Rogue Squadron, how long that's going to take her. So hopefully we won't have to wait like two or three years. Hopefully we'll have, you know, it would be great to have a movie, you know, 
the like in 2023 sometime. So so we'll see. But um, it's good to see that, you know, things are starting to to move in in, uh, in that world for the next Wonder Woman. Uh, what about you, Seth? Always good news to uh, hear that they're, you know, getting things going, that they're aware of the fact that Patty Jenkins is tied up. And come on, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, you are forgiven, director Patty Jenkins. You are you are forgiven. Um, <laughs> like, if you're going to be tied up, at least get tied up on a notable nerd project that we can all sort of be like, I get it. I get it. I, I, I do the same thing, probably with a lot more of like, hey, look at what I'm doing. But I get it. I also love the fact that there's a story they want to tell. I, I really felt that with Wonder Woman 1984, especially given some of the division that was created around the story, that there were seeds planted for a very specific reason and that they are designed for a story that's going to be told in Wonder Woman 3. But also, yes, something that even Jenkins was saying, I mean, I, I want to say like maybe six, eight months ago in a story with an awareness of, yeah, we started out with this story, but we became very aware of how the world around us was changing. And we wanted to be conscientious of that. So I feel like that's all still um, in a process of evolution and development. So knowing that, knowing that the director is actually like on another project and can't start on this. It's nice to know that there's an awareness of like, well, we don't have to just sit on our heels waiting for one person. There are things that can be done in the meantime. And right as you pointed out, I mean, with this one, yes, I believe there is a, there's a folding money that amounts worth of certainty that this one will be coming out when uh, that's where it gets more fun. And I also think, you're right on the fact that this is one of the first of many stories we will be seeing as we get closer and as we learn just a little bit more. Kelly, what was your takeaway? Are we all being too optimistic or, uh, you know, got similar feelings? Uh, you, you know, I can't say we're being too optimistic about Wonder Woman because I, <laughs> I will love whatever comes out. I faded the hook. I'm not going to lie. I know what I was doing there. I was like, come on, Kelly, come on. Come on. Wonder Woman. Like, um, I mean, you probably exactly. Got <laughs> and look, I'm not always the hopeful person, but I am always hopeful when it comes to Wonder Woman. And I, again, I, I always trust Patty Jenkins. And I, I didn't even, I wouldn't say that I, I enjoyed Wonder Woman 1984 as much as I enjoyed the original. Um, but it was still a beautiful movie. It was still a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, and it's, you know, just a Wonder Woman story that she's looking to tell. So I'm really excited to see what the next one will be. Um, and, and yeah, we, we don't have a ton of information yet, but it's definitely happening. And I think if I can put my kind of personal hopes out there, um, I would say I, as long as we're kind of off, I mean, I assume we're off the Steve Trevor train at this point. Um, not that that was, I, I really liked that storyline, but I know just in general, some of my friends who aren't necessarily fans of the comic books who were, you know, following the Wonder Woman movies were a little disappointed that the second movie was so heavily about Steve Trevor. Um, but I just, I, I really, really, really want to see this movie. I don't know when it will come out. I don't know what it'll be about, but I will be there. Uh, you know, God, God willing and all, but I will be there. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, don't want to jinx myself like, there. Like, swimming with like great whites or something. I have this never like know. feeling. Okay, okay, this is true. You should know Kelly on occasion has let us know that she can't be on a podcast because said swimming with great whites. However, yes. I'm just saying, can you like maybe not do so much death defying stuff before Wonder Woman 3? Just because I don't want to be like, this would be so great if only Kelly was here. Because that would really <laughs> suck. Just throwing it I'm out. Gonna okay, my I'm, best. I'm gonna do my yeah. best to avoid all of the sharks and all of the the other, you know, the wolves, the bears. The and I, I'm gonna avoid all the wild animals up until the release of this movie. Um, hey, yeah, I go jumping in with them. <laughs> I exactly I'll, from a distance. Everything from a distance. <laughs> it's. I mean, it, Heidi Jenkins has her own her own stuff going on right now, and that's awesome. And of course, it, it's it's Star Wars, so we really, like you said, Seth, we can't fault her for that. Um, but yeah, I, I desperately hope we get to see a little bit more about this movie soon because I am. I I would buy my ticket today, even though the movie doesn't exist. Um, so our next and actually our final piece of movie news I personally enjoy very much um, it includes movies like the Teen Titans go to the movies and a couple other really great animated DC films uh, Brad what did you think uh, it definitely has some of those films that you definitely would have to have on this list Mask of the Phantasm and uh, uh, Batman Under the Red Hood as examples and i really was tickled that teen titans go to the movies made it because that (laughs) as silly as it is it had a little something for everyone i will always give it props for including the challengers of the unknown uh you know just that only the comic book geeks are you know are gonna get and that was just that was really fun so i was glad to see that on the list and uh, yeah, and as far as the other one goes, yeah, they were all good. And it just kind of reminds you just how good DC is at these animated movies. Uh, they are really worthy of a theater release, uh, which is what Teen Titans Go to the Movies and Master of the Phantasm got. But I think all of these were worthy to be released in, in, in the theaters. So what about you, Seth? I think this is a really fun list. You were naming off uh, the, some of the movies, and my pit bull Fiji decided to get so excited. She actually was like barking with enthusiasm. So I don't know what you're doing, or if you realize you're translating on on more than one level. But I was feeling it. The dogs were feeling it. Um, here's the thing that gets me too: when um, when you look at this list, it almost feels like this is like a great basis. And then for me, I almost wanted to do like a fill in the dots thing, or you know, fill in the gaps where I'm like. Yeah, and maybe we could drop Death in the Family before Red Hood, and then maybe we could, you know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of fun to have with this, because it was a great framework, but then there was also a feeling of, like, wonder if you can tweak this just a little bit. And, of course, I have to add, yeah, yeah Teen Titans go to the, the movies. <laughs> That's a great one. It's got those just sort of, like, little moments that are intentionally for the older fans. And then all those other great moments that are intentionally designed to draw in all the audiences, both younger and older. It's a great chuckle. Um, and all I can say sometimes at the end of a story like this is, yeah, DCN rules. How about well, you, I, I think, um, <laughs> I mean, look, I, you're right, because there are some movies that I wish were on this list, but there were also some movies I was really glad to not see. I mean, specifically The Killing Joke, but... 
I, I don't need to go into my feelings about that movie right now because these movies are a lot of fun and I love a good movie marathon. And even, you know, the, the Teen Titans going to go to the movies being on here is just I, I haven't seen it yet, but I've went from seriously resenting Teen Titans Go to now I kind of appreciate it in a way because they, they do lay these little teeny tiny Easter eggs. Um, and, and there's this level of self-awareness. So I, I do really want to see that movie. Um, and I mean, who doesn't want a, a DC animated film marathon? Their animated films, Brad, like you said, are just so, so good. Um, and, and so well done for the most part. And I, I think Mask of the Phantasm is, I, I can't remember when it came out, but I was maybe about five or six years old. And I remember seeing it on VHS, I think, and just being absolutely blown away. So I would love to see that movie again. Um, yeah, this just, I, I will do this, absolutely do this marathon, 100%. So that's going to wrap it up for our movie news. And now we're going to move into TV and streaming, um, starting with a, I think, a pretty fun story. Batwoman season three has cast Robin Givens as Jada Jet. Uh, Brad, what do you think of this character? I am intrigued. Uh, it could They gave a, a big hint about who it could be, and it's probably pretty likely. And I think that will be very interesting to see in the second season uh and batwoman happens to be one of the few cw shows that i'm completely caught up with so uh and i really liked both seasons so i'm I'm getting excited for season three so i'm looking forward to any news that we would get on that so uh, and i i think robin givens could be uh you know could you will be a great actress to play the role especially if she is what people are thinking she's going to be i mean basically though she is going to be a ceo and i could totally see robin gibbons playing a ceo so yeah i'm uh i'm digging the story what about you said definitely digging this story i definitely also feel robin gibbons can can pull off a great ceo i love the idea of the inference that's suggested within this article about you know um why her appearance can be so potentially pivotal for the uh, the cast and the stories that will come out of season three. Uh, I'm also curious to catch up. I'm a little behind on Batwoman. So I'm looking forward, Brad, to sort of getting to your vantage point and maybe with uh, that getting caught up, being aware of, you know, a little bit more of what this can mean for the characters and the story up through the end of uh, season two. I also, you know, sort of get a, you know, a, a nice feeling from this that for the, the story, it suggests like, hey, given this announcement, we can feel even um, better about the idea of Renee Montoya joining the series, that there's like some sort of uh, feeling that goes with this casting. I think that's a, a really, you know, great momentum to ride. And I hope it means even more desired characters that we know and love from Gotham will be appearing. But this is a great announcement, and hopefully it's just the first domino. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I think this this looks like a great casting choice. I'm not fully caught up with Batwoman yet, um, but I, yeah, they, what they're speculating, she's may or may not end up being in the story and how she'll be connected. Um, I, I think the theories make sense. I, I think it would be a really interesting twist. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, Robin Givens does have that CEO look. I, I think she'll be perfect for it. Um, and and yeah, it's it's fun to see this series moving forward into season three because I know I, I think the last time or the last time I talked to you guys about it, um, we were still waiting for season two to officially come out. I think. Um, and, and it's just great to see that it's done well, that fans are, you know, involved and engaged after the, the casting switch up after season one. Um, so yeah, I, by the time season three comes out, I'll be fully caught up. So I'm definitely interested to see exactly how, um, Miss Jet plays into everything. Now, our next story, I, I know you guys love it. Legends of Tomorrow. Um, is showing photos for an episode that looks like it's going to take place in a sitcom set. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Oh, this could be funny. And quirky, just that we would expect from the show. So I think that a sitcom set fits in perfectly with the tone and the theme of the show. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm on board for this. It should be a good time. What about you, Seth? There's one thing that legends of tomorrow lends its zany qualities to so well and that is everything uh (laughs) when it comes to this show uh you can do anything and it's beautiful and brilliant so yeah um putting them into uh bayrod's favorite sitcom is brilliant i i love this show i love bayrod he's got to be one of my favorite i'm like can we get this guy a comic book already just if you're out there, DC, just just saying it, you know, sort of like voicing it to the universe because this guy is, is a treat. And I love also that we get this great little like 16 candles riff, you know, like, oh, what happened? They forgot something. Now, if you haven't seen 16 candles, you know what? I'm not the one to ruin what the premise is. I'm just going to say it sucks when it happens. So I, I love the, the concept, and uh, I love the fact that then we get the chance to uh, go into a, uh, a taping. And I think there's a lot of like ways that you can really just continue to have a great time with stuff like this. Like You can go into it fully aware of what your original intention is, and then suddenly when the opportunity pops up, like you can just have gold. And if you're doing something like Legends, where the whole point is, how can we keep turning a corner and, and doing one more thing with something? Uh, I'm just looking forward to laughing my butt off and, and then randomly trying to work it into a conversation the next time we're all in the chat. Kelly, what do you think? Uh, see, I've seen 16 Candles, but I still haven't seen Legends of Tomorrow. And every time we cover something about it, I'm like, I need to watch that show. It sounds so funny and so right up my alley. And then I forget. So I'm going to hang on to this one because I just the entire concept of being inside a sitcom. I mean, I I think probably since they did it on Supernatural has been hilarious to me because it's just such a specific tone that I you, you don't notice that it exists until everyone started pointing out that it exists. Now it's like, oh, yeah, sitcoms just have that sort of. that vibe to it and it's always hilarious when it's done in a show that isn't an actual sitcom um so i i will catch up on legends of tomorrow i promise i will do it eventually i just need to actually remember to do it (laughs) but this does this looks very funny and i again everything i hear about this show is just it, it sounds great and quirky and weird and those are like my favorite things 
Um, so we also have a, a set of photos that came out from The Flash uh, depicting excess and impulse um, arriving in Central City. Brad, what do you think? I, I love seeing excess uh, come back because um, that was such a tragic way to say goodbye to that character uh, so many seasons ago. So I just I love that they can have a chance to revisit that character. So that alone makes me happy. Although I got to admit that I am a little bit behind on the flash. So uh, things like this, though, make me want to get more and more caught up. So uh, we'll, we'll see where I'll be when this actually gets released. What about you, Seth? Yeah, I actually decided to take a break from some grading last night and I popped on the newest episode and had watched it. And right near the end, there's actually a teaser for this one. And this episode and the one before, and I'm trying to remember it was the one before that, Barry gets some interesting, like, premonition, premonitory uh, dreams that feature excess. And to then have her appear... And it's it's a fun one, and I'm not going to take it away from anybody. And then to have Impulse appear, like, right beside her was a great sort of setup for this new episode that they're talking about. Um, I'm excited just for the fact that, Brad, as you point out, like, Nora was wonderful to add to the show. I felt like she brought such a great energy. I love the chemistry. It was heartbreaking the way that she uh, was just suddenly gone. But it was also uh, a great thing to sort of see her return to know, as I've mentioned before, like for me, impulse just means there's always a chance that uh, we can have some of my other favorite characters, maybe Max Mercury, maybe, maybe get a Johnny or a Jesse Quick, um, you know, experience that's, I don't know. I mean, it's the multiverse. It's the omniverse. Like, have some fun with it. Um, but having these two characters back just for me, means getting back two characters or getting one character back that I love, getting to see one that I've always enjoyed um, establish themselves and hopefully continuing to open the door for more and more characters to come their way. Plus, uh, I saw a great little teaser that it looks like uh, we get a uh, Jay Garrick appearance in that next episode too. So it's like, for me, I'm just having a blast. Like, <laughs> giggle, 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 giggle. Where's my favorite, you know, show snacks and where's the dogs? Everybody snuggle up and it's a great time. I'm, I'm having a blast in these pictures. Just make me think. So can it be next week already? Can it? Kelly, can you help me out with next week? Can you just make that happen? <laughs> I'll okay, do my okay. best. I mean, I'll, yeah, why not? <laughs> Try it. Whatever. <laughs> I'm down. Blood magic, whatever. Uh, see, I wish I was caught up with The Flash because I, I again, this is one of the, and this is one of the shows where I've seen large chunks of it, but not necessarily in order. Um, so I, I don't have necessarily the same attachment to the characters, but it's it's nice to always hear about the way that the show kind of bends time and and manages to, you know, give you guys a chance to see characters that were previously eliminated. Um yeah, I look sooner or later, I am going to do a, a large CW binge and I will be caught up on all of this. And then, I'll, you know, we can have just a total retroactive episode where I go back over all these stories and and, you know, with it with a little bit more heart towards it. But 
I, I mean, these pictures look great and obviously fans are really excited for the episode. So I, I think this is, it, it'll be an exciting next week, Seth. I'll try my best to make it happen immediately, but <laughs> at the very least <laughs> next week will be fun. <laughs> So that's going to wrap it up for our TV and streaming news. Before we jump into comics, we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, show some ads, and we will be right back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S 3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup. A Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or Dummies! Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything off, you want, anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. All right. We're back gonna... to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 125 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, here with my wonderful co-hosts, Brad Filicky and Seth Singleton. And we are right about to jump into comic book news. Uh, starting with the announcement that The Long Halloween is getting a one-shot edition sequel, um, also done by the original creative team. Brad, what did you think of this story? This may be my favorite story this week. Uh, I I love that the original team is coming back. Uh, 
they they just make such a great team. All the stuff they've done for DC and for Marvel, uh, I, I love seeing Jeff Loeb and uh, Tim Sale work together. So I cannot uh, I cannot wait for this. And it is such a classic and important Batman story that it's great to have another chapter done by the original team. Uh, I would definitely be less excited if it was a different creative team behind it. But yeah, I I cannot wait for this. What about you, Seth? I love it when you read such a great story, like Long Halloween, and you think to yourself, like, wow, well done. And then when someone goes, yeah, but there's still parts we never finished telling. And you sort of pause. And then you think to yourself, well, okay. In the meantime, let's go back, reread, have some fun doing that, and, and sort of look for where those opportunities might lie. And then also to know that... When you're dealing with the same creative team, like it's amazing to consider all the things that might not have even registered that when they bring the light in a continuation story. I mean, as this one suggests, the whole idea that some secrets don't stay buried. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of fun to consider. I also think like bringing the original team back together, allowing them to bring all of the things that were so loved the first time around in a 48 page one shot i mean it's a great chance to tell a long story and um i'm i'm intrigued i also uh i'm also looking forward to you know the fact that we'll get to have this be this great accompaniment to the uh parts one and two of the long halloween animated movie kelly what was your take when i first read this title i i was anxious because i was like oh Oh, they're adding on to Long Halloween because it's such a perfect story. But then when I saw it's the original creative team, it's like, oh, well, fantastic. Add add 10 more on. That's like, I mean, it's it's really great to see them be able to revisit the show, uh, the show, the, the uh, book and add on to, you know, an idea that they, they maybe already had but hadn't gotten to include in the first version. Um, and it's, I, I do love these kind of one shots that just give us a little bit deeper lore about something that we were already familiar with. And of course the long Halloween is I, iconic in terms of Batman books. Um, you know, and, and it's going to play a role in the upcoming Matt Reeves Batman film. Um, I, I am just so, so excited for this now. Um, and I, I mean, I love collecting you know alternative copies so it looks like this is going to come out as you know kind of a, a big long halloween reprint um which would be amazing um yeah i i really do think that i will pick this up right away and that i just thank god it's the original creative team that was my only stipulation so yeah th- this is really really exciting so our next piece of comic book news batman 89 artist um the, the Batman 89 artist has teased the Marlon Wayans Robin ahead of his premiere in the books. Um, this character has some some interesting background in relation to Tim Burton's Batman movies. Brad, what did you think? Very interesting. I'm, I'm sure that I had heard that he was supposed that Marlon Wayans was supposed to play Robin, but I had forgotten it. So that was kind of news to me. And I love the idea of bringing those ideas in and Going back to Star Wars, as a Star Wars fan, I really hope that we get the uh, Billy D. Williams Harvey Dent, because if you remember, he played Harvey Dent in the uh, in Batman '89. So I would love to see more of uh, of Billy D. Williams Harvey, Harvey Dent and watch him become Two Face. So 
hopefully we can see a lot more of this kind of stuff. I think it's a really cool idea. What about you, son? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was getting a kick out of that time uh, we were on with uh, you and Steve, and you guys were talking about that artist rendering because they were going to have, uh, oh, who is it, Bullock in the uh, Batman 89? And I think you said the, the sketch looked like Ed Asner. Am I right? I remember yep, that correctly. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and then later, the only other name that came to mind that I could think of of an age around that time was Abe Bogota. And that's just me, because Abe Bogota. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, this story reminded me of, of how many things were in the works that never registered for me. This was a story I didn't know about until reading this one. But um, reading it now and, and thinking about, man, it, it would have been a really smart move. I think it would have been a, a really cool direction to take. I also feel like there could have been just so much potential um, behind Marlon Wayne uh, playing Robin. Like that, there, there's a lot to enjoy with this possibility. So now it's like, oh, okay, well, now you get to uh, enjoy it <laughs> in the comic book form and and get to see it all come to life. I I think there's a uh, I think there's a lovely feeling to the tease, to the sort of hearkening back to that period of time. And and also, I mean, for me, this was like, well, okay, what, what else was going on at that time? That because I was just some kid who was like, wow, this was a great movie. I, I loved the Batman movie and was not aware of all the inner workings of Hollywood. What other things were originally intended that once Tim Burton was gone and we went the, the Schumacher route, that it was just left behind and uh, how could it be appearing in this comic and in new fun ways that we'll learn from future stories or, you know, after the, the comic comes out, I, I think that's part of the fun to consider with a story like this. Sure. There's the character and sure there's the universe, but it's also like, again, what does it mean when you crack a door open like that? Like what else is there? There's gotta be more, right? Kelly, am I just hoping? <laughs> It, I I honestly didn't know um, that there was there was going to be a Robin in those movies either. I mean they they came out a little bit before a little bit before I came out, but um I I did really love those movies and I've actually done a rewatch recently and they're so iconic. It's strange to almost consider that there was some you know behind the scenes Hollywood stuff going on and that there was a character that should have been there that wasn't that Mark Wayans was going to be Robin and he wasn't. Um, and it, what a disappointment that would be to be cast and, um, you know, cast. And it, I believe they said paid as well for the role and then for it to be taken out and, you know, presumably put off for the next movie. But then instead we ended up with Batman and Robin, which, you know, wasn't as I mean, it's it's iconic in a way, but it definitely wasn't as um, uh, good. But it, yeah, I, I really do want to see this character. And it must be nice, um, you know, for Mark Wayans to be able to, I you know, still have that role associated with him in a way, even if it's, you know, not him actually playing the character and it's a depiction in a comic book. It's, I think, still would be a really kind of nice touch because that that's so disappointing. And I, I really would have liked to see him play Robin. Um, but yeah, that, that just, it looks cool. And I honestly had no idea. It is a shame that we didn't get to see that because 
Yeah, Batman and Robin, man. That is not what anybody wanted. There was, <laughs> there was an essay that somebody wrote <laughs> online, and don't ask me to, to give any points that this person was making because I don't remember it, but it was basically saying that Batman and Robin was the worst thing ever made. Now, not the worst movie, but the worst thing ever made. What? <laughs> so I wish I could dig that up. It's probably lost in the <laughs> the pits of the internet, but it was uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know, man. Because <laughs> you you have to consider like there's some stuff out there that's well documented as being the worst thing ever made. Let's go with New Coke for starters. Okay. Yeah. Um, fair, fair. And then. It, right. And then if anyone saw, uh, oh, oh, what was the Michael Moore one? And it was dealing with, um, you know, it, it dealt with nine. I feel like it was Fahrenheit 9-11, where at one point he's showing sort of the chaos after 9-11 when like people came up with crazy inventions, like the guy who had like the parachute or something that you jumped out of your office building in case there was another terrorist <laughs> attack. But when he tried to demonstrate it, he just looked like a buffoon. Like, <laughs> I, I, like <laughs> crossing into that territory <laughs> oh goodness i don't see it's funny i didn't realize because batman and robin came out when i was really little and i didn't realize how ridiculous it was as a kid until i was in high school i was watching some documentary on youtube about the making of the film and i remember them pointing out that the bat suits had nipples and it was hilarious because i i had the action figures for Batman and Robin from that movie as a kid. And I remember looking at them and being like, oh, like they, they, they really did. Wow, that was <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> and so my opinion of that movie just that immediately detail. tanked. Right. And, and why? Because if you're going to build a suit, why would you? But anyway, <laughs> just that movie was not what the world wanted it was not what the world deserved um but it is what we got so i mean good good on this comic for bringing back the the could have been of batman 1989 um wow just just wow for batman and robin i feel like we need to just do a full hash of that movie at some point but yeah my goodness so our last bit of comic book news our, actually, no, not our last bit of comic book news. I lied. Um, our second to last bit of comic book news. We got an early look at Infinite Frontier number two. Brad, what did you think? You know, I, I, I like the first issue. Uh, so the more characters they want to bring in, the better. They're going to be bringing in the Justice League. Um, uh, you know, I'm down. Uh, I'm, I'm liking to see what this means for the future of the DC universe as this series continues. So this is, yeah, this is one of those books that kind of goes to the top of my pile when I get it, you know, the weeks that it comes out. Like, it's one of the first ones that I dive into. So, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing how they incorporate the Justice League. Uh, what about you, Seth? Oh, this looks like so much fun. It definitely seems like the big problem is like, wow, that's so great. You have a Hall of Justice. It's open to everyone. How is that not a major security risk? How is someone like Batman not like, I cannot believe I got overruled on this. Um, everyone <laughs> will be scanned to the, right? Like, I, I have a feeling like if this is allowed, like Batman has like, yeah, Martian, Apocalyptan, uh, uh, Atlantean technology scanning the, you know, I don't know what, probably not something I can say that's appropriate on this show, but scanning us every which way from like 10 different Sundays. 
And <laughs> we realized that there's someone coming along saying, hey, yeah, so I got some questions about that. But I also love that the, this first issue, you know, hints at the uh, previous history between Superman Lois and this new uh, character who is appearing uh, and asking some questions. And um, I, I think it should be overall like a really interesting way of us just going, hey, so, you know, there's a lot of questions that normal people are going to have. And at some point. There's always that thing I wondered about, like, okay, so unless you're a superhero, how do you know that what's going on in, you know, what's, I guess, common knowledge for superheroes is something that the average Joe is aware of? And if they are, how is that communicated? Like, is there a newsletter? Is there a social media channel? Like, for example, the Omniverse, like at some point, is everyone going, oh, yeah, they, they made an announcement kind of a big deal omniverse yeah let that one sink in remember crisis when that screwed everything up okay and then we had everything since then okay well now we're like there's a lot going on in the world and i just love that you know yeah the deo hasn't had the best track record and yet for this story they're going to be the ones coming in so there's been some details that weren't included and there's some questions about you know are the things you're doing sustainable like the prison underneath despite the fact that everyone has access. There's a lot of fun to be had here. The issue points out some great examples of it. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I'm not sure, but Super Clark could be here to stay. Kelly, what was your take? I hadn't picked up Infinite Frontier number one, but this preview convinced me that I need to, because I, like you, Seth, I have so many logistical questions about how I mean, like, I, I get why, because, you know, the White House is open and like, I think you can tour Buckingham Palace and whatnot. So it's like, OK, you can tour the Hall of Justice. But, yeah, I don't see how that's not a huge problem because I mean, they even said supervillains can come in if, you know, you just dress like an ordinary person. And I, you know, Batman already had an issue with with the other members of the Justice League and, and security before it was open to the public. Never mind. I mean, it's. I, am, am I crazy? Or are people still operating under, um, uh, well, you know, di disguises? And you know, they have their. There's Clark Kent and there's Superman, and there's. It's. I, I have so many questions, and I mean, it. It just harkens back to what kind of a mess HR would be like for uh for the Justice League. But yeah, I I actually really do want to know why it is that they would let people into the Hall of Justice, and then at the same time how does this work? How do they scan people? How do, um, how do the superheroes react to this? And was this a welcome change or was it something born totally out of necessity? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm about to dive into this series pretty hard because I, I just, I would love to see how this plays out realistically in the, in the terms of this book. Um, and poor Batman, I can only assume he's having just uh, a massive anxiety attack over the whole thing because this this is just very much not his mo. I mean, I I don't know that I don't know that Wayne Tower is is open in the way that this would be. So you you would think the Hall of Justice wouldn't necessarily open to the public, but yeah, I I want to see this. I want to know what this is about. Okay, so this is our last piece of comic book news. DC is launching a new human target title, and it's going to be by Tom King and Ger Greg Smallwood. Brad, what'd you think? You had me at Tom King. 
I think Tom King is a writer that DC can just say, you know what, do what you want, and we'll all react to it. Just go out there and, and recreate the DC universe how you see fit. Um, but I, I I really like you know 99% of the projects that he works on. So and I I think with his histories and his in his experience in the military and things like that, I think that will bring a real sense of reality to the series so yeah this is one that i'm really looking forward to this is probably my second favorite story of the week uh and also made me remember that i have yet to see the human target tv show and it was on the h the dc universe streaming app and now i hope that they bring it to uh hbo max that's a total side note but that came into my head too when i was reading the story but yeah um tom king can do no wrong so yeah i'm, I'm excited what about you Seth? yeah he pretty much walks on water i hear like twice a day usually in the morning and sometimes in the late afternoons on sunset <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah the man can pretty much do that i mean you know um I, I don't know which character I wouldn't want him to take on. Maybe Ambush Bug. I'd be like, stay away. I just sort of feel like there's a clash. But uh, any other character, I feel he can do a lot with. Whether, you know, you're talking about Sheriff of Babylon, you're talking about what he's done recently with Strange Adventures or Mr. Miracle. Um, you know, the idea of pulling together all these many pieces to delve deep into a character. But also, this was the guy who was behind Grayson, right? Like, you know, you, you, you remember that, you know, everything that was going on with the, I think it was Spiral and all that stuff. Like, as you point out, his, pre, his personal history has enough of those elements that he can put into place. What he's shown he can do already in comic stories up to this point. Now you're taking a character who I think is a fun twist because, you know, there's something interesting about someone who dresses up like a target in order to protect the target if you want to put that in quotation marks or italicized or to you know be the distraction or to put themselves in harm's way and you've got the origin that's suggested here one that can be developed i'm sure by someone like tom king but then also from the appearance of this cover it looks like he's making himself a bit of a target for so many different characters because when you look at it i mean it looks like there's a mixture of mostly heroes so why are all these heroes after this guy and what is it like when you have someone like tom king telling a story about somebody who is constantly perhaps fooling those heroes to a degree that they don't like it um that was one of the things i enjoyed the most recently about strange adventures is the way that you know you've got this guy who's supposed to be the hero and yet when he's dealing with earth's heroes there's there's a conflict because of how things are done and, and what representing certain values means and also what it means to fight a war and those values be challenged. I think there's a lot of ambiguity that you can play with. So now you take this character who, who lives a life that's basically changing disguises and full of ambiguity. Who's the guy at the center of that? One of those great examples he invested in with uh, Mr. Miracle. You know, I, I think Smallwood's a great choice for the art. This looks stunning, classy. Clearly, I'm going to lose a lot of money buying this, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I could keep ranting, but then again, you're not here just for me. Brad gave great stuff, and now it's time for Kelly to just, you know, 
wrap it all up nice so you didn't just end with and then Seth kept rambling until he stopped Kelly what you got (laughs) I I do think I'll be picking this up um I mean like you guys have said Tom King is the the can do no wrong comic book writer at this point I mean I and he really brought Mr. Miracle and and Barta even kind of back into the fold for me because they were characters that I was familiar with as a kid um, who had kind of fallen off the radar. But then picking up that book and and I picked it up on, you know, the just the the covers looked so complex. And like the, there was this one cover of Mr. Miracle crying, holding a birthday balloon at a party. And it's like like he just he knows how to make characters relevant and and interesting and just really uh, multifaceted in a way that they haven't been previously um and I, I this as well and again this cover I just I love the way it looks I love all these these hands coming out with you know you have the green lantern ring and it, it looks like um it, you know a ray gun and and all these other things and it, it just looks like it'll be a fun ride so I'm definitely going to be picking this up um yeah, I, I mean, it, you can't go wrong with Tom King. You really can't. Um, I, I I think as far as, um, you know, Human Target as a character, I'm not super familiar. I haven't read um, a lot of the previous titles, but just off of what I know already, this seems like it's a really good character for him to take on. So I will be picking this up. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll lose some money. But we will gain some really fantastic character development. So I'm okay with that. That is a fair trade. So our last few pieces of news are our other section, if you will. Um, We're going to start off with San Diego Comic-Con released a list of their panels related to DC. Um, And so we have some DC horror, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, some Dark Knight's metal soundtrack. Brad, what do you think? What are you excited to say? Oh, I cannot wait for the DC Horror panel. Although, um, it's a silly title, Read With The Lights On, because you have to read with the lights on. You can't read in the dark. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a take on, you know, watch, watching um, scary movies, in the, you know, with the lights on or not. But, um, yeah, I, I can't wait for the horror panel. That horror panel is going to be great. And I, I hope with that panel they kind of talk about stuff that's coming down the road because it looks like a lot of the panelists are people that are working on The Conjuring and, you know, the nice house on the lake, you know, things that are already kind of in the process and being released. But I hope they give us hints of what's to come because I'm really looking forward to uh, what this line will bring in the future. And it would be great to hear like you know that joe hill is going to get involved again in some way like he did with the hill house comics and things like that so i'm really looking forward to that one and the the death metal soundtrack will be a a fun panel too um brand daylor the drummer of uh, mastodon is part of that and from what i understand he's a pretty funny guy so that should be uh, another fun panel and uh and yeah i uh and of course, like the Superman, Batman, Fear State, and the Wonder Woman panels will be full of some good tidbits too. Although I gotta say, I'm I'm a little bummed that they decided to sit out on the movie side of things. But in the end, that just makes me more excited for fandom. So uh, uh, I guess in the long run, it's a win-win for fans. What about you, Seth? I would definitely say it's a win-win for fans. Um, 
I uh, <laughs> surprised someone who didn't realize I was talking to you guys. And uh, they sort of stopped and looked at me like, who are you talking to? Um, <laughs> to which I just have to say, well, tune in, check it all out. Yeah, there's a, a lot for fans <laughs> to enjoy. I mean, the, uh, the Batman panel, I mean, as soon as you said, yeah, John Ridley with Mariko Tamaki and James Tynan and, you know, maybe a little Tom Taylor and Stephanie Phillips sprinkled in there for good measure. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hooked. The, uh, the read with the lights on, Brad, you really nailed it. That's hilarious. I, I love it. Like, I don't know. Is this supposed to be like a reference to uh, a generation that only reads them um, on a tablet or something like that? Like, am I, is this the moment that I've boomered out and, and that's where it just happened? Like, they're like, oh, you don't know. Oh, it's okay. You can read your, you know, original comics uh, <laughs> with the paper and, and all that fun. Um, but I also like the idea that if you're going to poke a little bit of fun, do it at horror. Because these books, I mean, you know, you can read the chats to see where Steve's just been going nuts about Nice House on the Lake. And it's worth raving about. The, the other books that are in here are equally horrifying. And I love when you've got a combination like this. I love also, Brad, what you suggested, the idea that maybe we could get some hints out of this about Hill House and other things in the future because man that was a horrifying like beautiful collection wasn't it and the superman one is phenomenal i mean for starters uh you know tom taylor apparently pulling double duty and then um on top of it philip kennedy johnson that guy that guy with last god just hooked me and then house of l and so many other titles that he's done for superman recently um i've really been impressed by plus you know, you've got Grant Morrison, like, this is the guy, all-star Superman. Like, you know, there's there's some really amazing things in here. Uh, I'm going to defer to uh, Brad and Steve always when it comes to the music stuff. So just rewind, listen to what Brad said about the music part and the soundtrack. And then also, I was kind of digging on uh, hearing Kelly's thoughts about this one about Wonder Woman across the multiverse. Um there's some cool ideas here. And uh, yeah, see, that chuckle tells me you're listening. She's not just all hanging out waiting to shut up. She actually hears what I'm saying. Nope. You know. <laughs> so yeah, that's quite a uh, combination. In fact, I could sort of, you know, blah, 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 blah. But why? When you've got Kelly coming up right after me. Kelly, what was your take? And tell us more about, you know, Wonder Woman across the multiverse. Is it an omniverse, Brad? Aren't you checking these guys on this? Come on. He's the one who's always keeping straight on my way. <laughs> you know what? Reading this list, every single panel that I read, I was like, oh, I, I'm, that's the one I'm most excited for. And just going down the list, because so, at first it was like, okay, I like Batman, and then uh, Superman, and then, you know, the the death metal soundtrack, like, absolutely yes. DC horror, absolutely yes. And then, of course, the last one listed was Wonder Woman. And I was like, and there it is. There's the one I am actually most excited for. Um, I mean, come on. It's it's Wonder Woman. And, and the whole... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the fact that they're talking about her, her previous development, where they want to take her in the future, sort of this trajectory um, of Wonder Woman as a DC character. I, I will be right there. Um, the all of these panels. I mean, it, luckily it's not too big of a list for DC, so I should be able to hopefully catch all of them. Um, and and Brad, like you were saying, DC horror. I I love horror comics, and I'm not actually caught up with most of the DC ones. So I think 
I mean, especially the nice house on the lake, I really want to catch up with. Um, and, and Hill House as well, because I just, I've been behind with those, but I've read so many other horror comics from um, Image and, and Dark Horse that this, I think, this is going to be one of my favorite panels. And yeah, read with the lights on. I, I would like to think that it was a slip because I, I, you know, you guys know how I feel about digital reading. I don't know. Um, but that does also make sense because they're like, kids have lights in their books, technically. Um, but yeah, the, this looks like it's going to be a really fun convention. Um and honestly, it just gets me even more excited for fandom because, I mean, fandom, that, that was, I think, my highlight of last summer. So, yeah, this this is going to be a really, really fun convention to watch. So our next piece of news, there are going to be two fabulous statues coming out from Prime One Studio. The first is going to be of Zack Snyder's Steppenwolf, and that's going to cost you about fifteen to $1,800. And the second is going to be Superman vs. Doomsday, which is going to be about $2,000 to $2,200. I mean, what do you guys think? Will you be dropping that kind of bucks? How do they look, Brad? I will not be, but it does not <laughs> mean that I don't appreciate the uh, the level of um, like artistry and detail in these. Uh, what you know, As far as the Steppenwolf statue goes, that was one of, I think that was one of the things that people liked the most about the Snyder cut was that they did a bit of a redesign on that character. So it's finally getting a, a statue that it deserves and it looks, looks great. I mean, the detail, uh, it's one of those things where I, I feel like I'm watching the movie and I really like the pose of the Superman statue. Cause usually when you see a Superman versus doomsday, it's usually doomsday with the upper hand because doomsday was the one that finally killed Superman. But in this one, Superman looks like he's got the upper hand. He's the one in the air. And uh, I, I thought that was kind of like a cool little twist. And once again, the detail is just it's just beautiful. Um, I, I think for those people who do love to collect statues and things like this, I think that, that they'll be willing to drop that amount for these statues. What about you, Seth? Yeah, I, I, I will not be fine either of these statues however if as i've seen like some people put i it, it's weird but I, i've come across posts where like if people are like yeah if you want to buy me gifts you can buy me yeah, so yeah if you're out there you want to buy me a gift uh either one is great looks great on my shelf um i'm, I'm not going to do anything i'm just going to say if you want to give that to me go ahead and give that to me and if you don't um i won't be mad because i wouldn't give it to me either but uh, <laughs> they're beautiful statues. Yeah, the, the Steppenwolf. I mean, the thing that I remember uh, when I was doing that watch party for uh, Snyder Cut was just the way so many people commented on the lifelike feeling about the armor for Steppenwolf. How it looked like the armor breathed and was like, you know, uh, emotionally connected to him. And I, I, I love that feeling of it. And it's expressed so well in the statue. And then Brad, as you pointed out, you know, really cool Superman Doomsday one with the uh, great options you have. I mean, when I was checking out the swappable head units, the, the three different ways you can get, like, kind of angry, pretty angry, oh, wow, murderous. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. And then also you can change out the uh, the chesty cow, 
whether you want the classic yellow backing or the black uh, behind the S. Just some, you know, fun stuff. If if that's look, man, all I'm gonna say is if this is in your price range and you get this, send me some pictures, like cool ones of like, you know, how great it looks on your shelf. So even though we don't have one, we can all go, oh wow, look, somebody bought it. That's cool. Yeah. Because that's about as far as I get to go with a story like this. Otherwise, at some point, it has to pass off the radar or I'll become obsessed. And then you'll hear me like burbling like Gollum. So without getting into a Gollum situation, I'm going to go ahead and say, Kelly, what was your take? And, you know, let us know if you're going to get one of these. So you can send us pictures. We can all go, hey, Kelly. Oh, no, this isn't in my price range, sadly, but I do love these statues. They look I mean, I mean, this they're they're going to be gorgeous. And of course, because how how in the world could you sell something for that much money if it wasn't gorgeous? And it's funny because Steppenwolf is one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Snyder cut because he just I, I I mean, to be fair, uh, I watched it with. Um, my co-host for DCN After Dark, Tony, and it was a drinking game. So there are chunks of that movie that I need to rewatch because I don't fully remember them. But I know one of my <laughs> takeaways was that <laughs> there, the I'm missing some of that night. <laughs> but there, one of my biggest takeaways was that I really liked that Steppenwolf was just trying his best to be a better Steppenwolf. <laughs> and I, I, I felt for him, oddly enough, by the end of the movie in a weird way. I was kind of like, oh, Steppenwolf, he's just... He's just trying to, to, you know, do his best. He's, you know, he's got a tough boss. Exactly. So oddly enough, if I could, I would get the Steppenwolf one for sure. Um, But yeah, that's that's not in my price range. But seriously, if anybody does pick up these statues, send pictures, send videos, send me the statue. Um, I I will accept it graciously. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I these statues are always so impressive, and it's one of my favorite things about walking around comic book conventions is, is finding the actual displays of these, because getting to see them in person is is still so different from the pictures. But I mean, just just wow! I and that armor does look fantastic on Steppenwolf. I I, bizarre, I don't know why, but I went from absolutely despising him to really really enjoying him as a character. So I I may in the future should they release a Steppenwolf action figure if they haven't already, you know, that might be a little more, a little bit more my speed. Um but yeah, these these are just gorgeous gorgeous statues. So that is going to wrap it up for episode 125 of the DC Comics News podcast. I've been your host Kelly Gaines here with Brad Filicky and Seth Singleton. If you want to hear more from us, um, you know, see what we're up to, see what we're writing, see what we're doing. Brad, where can the people find you? I can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News. Uh, find me on the Mad Love uh, Harley Quinn podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And Seth, where can people find you? You can find me here, hanging out with the most amazing group of people on the DC Comics News Weekly podcast. You can find me hosting the Spinner Rack, but just, dude, just go to DC Comics News. Come say hey. Yeah. Kelly, how about you? You can find me writing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find me on our YouTube show, DCN After Dark. Um, you can find me on Mad Love the Harley Quinn cast, and you can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Wright. 
If you enjoyed the show, you can listen to our other shows, including Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, I Am the Knight, and The Spinner Rack. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr at DC Comics News. That's D capital C capital C O M I C S N E W S. And of course, be sure to subscribe to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, anywhere that you get your podcasts. So this has been episode 125 of the DC Comics News podcast. And there is one thing we like to say at the conclusion of every episode, and that is a reminder to read more. <laughs> comics. Have a great night, everybody.